Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Lystico of the Des Moines Register, Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register. Uh, full disclosure, Tyler producing this one for the first time. Uh, seems to be going well so far. Are we, are we on air? I, 12, 12, I think we are. So, 12 <laughs> seconds in, 17 seconds. Successful. A successful day for the Hawk Central podcast and a successful day uh, for the Iowa offense. Obviously, the Iowa defense and special teams come through as always. Uh, really the best three-phase game we've seen from the Hawkeyes all year. 22 to nothing against a very good Rutgers team, Tyler. Uh, we were kind of looking at each other throughout the second half in particular, like, my gosh, this offense, even sometime in the first half. Uh, what do you kind of make of I – I don't know what you want to call this, but it was definitely the most complete game of the year for the Hawkeyes. It was the most comfortable Deacon Hill has looked, I think, in his Iowa career. He just – he seemed to kind of have a presence in the pocket, a, a, you know, a steadiness, um, a poise that that he has really lacked. And um, his throws were on target. I mean, he, he was making good throws. He was getting in a rhythm that we really haven't seen him where he was, he was stringing together multiple yeah. completions. And let's not like overblow this and say like the offense is fixed. Like I was, you no, know, it's fixed. Well, it's like, fixed. I'm like, just kidding. Go ahead. Like, the offense is, is it's still not good but that's that's progress to say the offense is not good like there were flashes uh where it looked competent where uh it, it felt like it got into a rhythm and and that's something that i mean just has basically not been there since Cade McNamara got hurt and even when Cade McNamara was healthy it still was really lacking but uh it just felt like the pieces of the offense were kind of coming into place in a way that hasn't you know since Deacon Hill took over and like I said again offense is not fixed for good the long-term issues you know still need to be figured out this doesn't by any means guarantee that Iowa won't go out and score six points next week but it was a very encouraging sign of a sign of life a sign of a life for an offense and for Deacon Hill that just so badly felt like it needed it. 21 first downs. That's its season high for the Hawkeyes. 11 possessions today, zero three and outs. Uh, they scored 19 points in the second half alone. Uh, 402 yards. That's the most. Uh, I've been touting that stat for a while. Uh, they hadn't hit the 400-yard mark since 2021 at Maryland. That was a 51-14 to 14 win back in, uh, I believe it was October 1st. 2021, it was a Friday night game in Maryland. So they had gone 31 straight games without reaching the 400 mark. They hit it today, 402 yards, even with the kneel down. I was a little bit worried Deacon was going to take a deep kneel down and, and uh, fall back under that 400. But he didn't. Intelligently made a one-yard kneel down. Hawkeyes finished with 402. Uh, and then um, 20 for 31 passing for Deacon Hill, uh, 223 yards. And he was one for five for one yard to start. So I was just like, Mason Richmond had a great quote. He was like, oh, man, you know, first half, same old offense. Second half, whoa, that's what he said. Um, so that I guess that – let me do the math. So that means Deacon Hill finished 19 for his last 26 for 222 yards. And I, I'm not going to say that was too fluky. His, his passes were pretty darn accurate today. A few overthrows on deep shots, but, uh, you know, obviously the interception – you know, I wrote about a little bit about that, but uh, it was interesting, wasn't it, Tyler? That that multiple guys said 
even that drive that ended with an interception, they gained momentum from that drive going into the locker room. And like, what would if you would if you would have been told before the season that I was going to be in the thick of a Big Ten West race and Deacon Hill is going to be throwing a fifty-plus yard pass to Zach Ortworth? Like what? Like what would have been going through your head? And I think that one, it's just like this offense is just it this is what's left. Like this is kind of the bare bones. There's been so many injuries, Cade McNamara, Eric all Luke Lachey, uh, Deontay Vines was out today. And there's just been so many moving pieces and this is what it's left with, but it's still fighting. It, it's not for as bad as it has been up to this point. Um, it's still fighting. And I think, you know, that's all you can really ask for at this point of, you know, an offense that it would be really easy given everything that's happened, given the Brian Ferentz news, um, it would be really easy for Iowa's offense to just kind of pack it in for Deacon Hill, just to say, you know, whatever, some, you know, this is, this is just how it's going to be. He's not ready yet to play at this level. Um, but for him to show the resilience for this offensive unit to show the resilience and then to at least like see some of that tangible results. Like, I think that was, a big thing of just a confidence booster of being able to see results on the field. Um, I just felt like it was massive and it, it was just, it was, it felt good for them, which I, I feel like it was just so badly needed for, you know, how bad the offense had been. And it just gives a little bit more optimism, like, okay, maybe this offense can be not good, you know, can be okay at some points. Maybe it can, it can do enough to, cause, for, we haven't even mentioned Iowa's defense, but like, I mean, they've they've been incredible. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to call up that drive I was talking about because they, you know, Nico Regaini talked about, you know, Deacon was slinging it to a lot of different guys on that drive. So uh, it started six yard pass to a Strenga. Next play, maybe maybe Hill's best throw of the game, a twenty one yarder to Seth Anderson. It was a rope. Uh, and then 11 yards to Ragini, then a few incompletions, um, but then 13 to Ostranga on third and 10. So that's – and then 11-yard pass to Caleb Brown is a really nice play. Uh, so he goes five for seven for 62 yards on that drive, and it was and it was just kind of building off, I feel like, the end of that Northwestern game where, where Deacon Hill ran the two-minute offense effectively. Like I was as surprised as, as you were that they moved down the field and had the chance to score. Obviously it didn't turn out, but – I think that was what was nice too, is just spreading it around. Did you mention? Did you mention the rushing yards? No, I, I, did not. I did not. So yeah, I mean, you end up with now. Leshawn looks like he got looked like he got dinged up, but it might have been cramps. It looked like cramps from what we saw. Did not return. But Leshawn Williams, thirteen carries, sixty-three yards. Caleb Johnson, ten carries, fifty-four yards. Jazz Patterson, fourteen carries, fifty-three yards, and then Caleb Brown. His best game as a Hawkeye, two carries, 20 yards, plus three catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. Boy, that would have to be a really nice touchdown for him uh, to get uh, for the Ohio State transfer. Uh, and then on top of that, Addison Ostranga, eight catches, 47 yards. Nico Ragini, four catches, 48 yards. I'm almost positive those are both season highs. Um, and then even LeSean Williams had two catches for 24. So the nice thing is also, Tyler, is – a lot of guys got to kind of taste some success on offense today. And you could even throw the offensive line in there. I mean, Logan Jones starts, only plays one series. 
Tyler Ellsbury comes in yet again, uh, fills in phenomenally. Uh, I feel like there's an argument there that he could be the starting center going forward, but um, or at least part of the line. And then Rusty Feth and Nick DeYoung alternate at left guard. So you had seven different offensive linemen playing. Uh, it worked out. I didn't see any other significant injuries occur today, so that seems to be a plus. So I, I feel like that's also a confidence booster. Kirk Ferentz said it afterwards. You know, these guys needed confidence in a bad way, and they got some today. And Caleb Brown, I mean, you mentioned him, but he he took another step after that Northwestern game because that was his first catch as an Iowa Hawkeye. Hawkeye came in a huge moment um, on that drive that ended up setting up the Drew Stevens game-winning field goal. But that felt just like to be able to have that catch, to get that out of the way, and then to be able to build, build off of that into this week where uh, he scores a touchdown where, and it seemed like Iowa was making a concerted effort to get him the ball. They handed him, handed it off to him. Uh, I think they ran like a screen for him as well. So, um, you know, getting the ball in some of your best playmakers hands is a wild concept, I guess, but it like, that's seemingly what Iowa tried to do. And uh, it, you know, it, it works, especially for a guy like him that has so much talent, get the ball in his hands and, I think it's also worth uh, – you mentioned the offensive line a little bit, but the, the credit that they are giving – they should be given because of all of the kind of shifting pieces they have had to deal with because of the injuries. I thought they did a really good job not only protecting Deacon but also opening running lanes. I mean, even that first drive, uh, Leishon – there were holes open for Leishon. And um, especially for a group that, you know, among the – offensive unit entirely that's been under scrutiny that offensive line you know earlier in the season was as well but has seemed to kind of figure it out I think Rusty Feth seems like has just been a huge addition or has proven to be a huge addition for that group so um you know credit to them because Rutgers wasn't us like Rutgers I, I honestly thought I was going to lose this game coming into it Rutgers Rutgers was leading Ohio State at halftime last week and there are only three losses coming into today were Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan. And so, like, they were – They pick sixes in all three of those games. So And, and I would – I would made them look bad. I was clearly today the by far the better team. Yeah, definitely. Um, where was I going to go with this? Yeah. Uh, 16 out of 17 November wins now. I wrote about that last week after the Northwestern game. This team continues to show resiliency uh, in the month of November. Obviously, we kind of buried part of the lead here, clinching a share of the Big Ten West title. Can win it outright next week at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Hawkeyes at 5-2 and two in conference play. And the next best team in the West now, 3-4 and four in league play. Uh, Illinois coming to town next week. Uh, I guess we should talk about the defense just a little bit here. <laughs> um, 127 yards. That was the fewest by a Big Ten team since 2019 against Rutgers. 125 yards in that game, but that was a terrible Rutgers team. This Rutgers team was legit. They came in with the 11th ranked defense in the country. That's what makes the 402 yards uh, that much more impressive. Uh, Steve Stilianos was out today. So, yeah, Iowa down three of its top four tight ends. And, you know, Zach Gortworth uh, with the big catch. 
really wasn't, you know, we saw no Cooper DeGene snaps on offense. Um, I think he was kind of limited in practice this week, perhaps. So that, that probably contributed to that, but uh, just overall, yeah, a different number three uh, shined on offense, but defensively uh, the let's talk about Quinn Schulte maybe for a sec. Cause you were asking some questions about him. It was really cool to hear the answers about Quinn Schulte who ends up recording Iowa's first turnover since Sebastian Castro's interception to clinch the Wisconsin game way back uh, about a month ago. So that was Iowa's first turnover in 12 quarters, but uh, everyone seemed really happy for Quinn. Uh, he, he seems like one of those guys that's just like his importance is overlooked and not appreciated enough because, you know, he's, he's a safety is kind of in the back line of that defense and, Really, if if he's getting a lot of attention, it means all the guys in front of him aren't doing their jobs. And Iowa's defense has been so good that, you know, it 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 hasn't he hasn't needed to save a lot of things. And there's so many. I mean, Sebastian Castro emerging, the way Jay Higgins has played, Nick Jackson, Cooper DeGene. It just seems like Quinn Schulte just kind of gets lost in the shuffle and. The pick just kind of gave a window into, you know, being, I think, just shedding a light on his importance on the defense and maybe what he does when he's not intercepting it, you know, what the, the importance that he has to this defensive unit. And, I mean, this this defense, it felt like early on in the season was kind of still, you know, it was still really good, but it, there was a drop-off from last season. The last few games have just been outright dominant. The defense is, is – seem to be playing basically at the level it was last season. Only They've only allowed one touchdown in the last four games. And it's actually – That was a 22-yard drive, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, incredible that Iowa somehow isn't 4-0 during that. You know, they they lost one of those games without – you know, they didn't even allow a touchdown in. But, uh, no, I mean, the defense th – this is where – and I don't want to look too far ahead because – this was one good game from the offense. I guess if you would even qualify it as good, it was an improved game from the offense. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I'm going to say good? it was really okay. good. Yeah, it was good. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was improved. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Anyways, um, what what could I th – this was like what Iowa looks like with a elite defense and an offense that can make some progress. Like this – if you wanted to see of like what what does it look like if Iowa can kind of get things going on offense and be a really good defense, this was a great display of that. And it, it makes you wonder of like what if it can continue to get better? What if they can sustain this? Like it, it kind of it makes you wonder of like how good Iowa could actually be. And again, I don't I don't want to get ahead of myself too much. And you know, because this was again it's very small sample size. The the sample size of it not looking like this is much larger than it is, but tangible results. And you kind of wonder like, well, what if Iowa can continue to build off of it? Yeah. Uh, remember the game in happy Valley that we covered 97 snaps. Let me call it. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I had that right. 97 snaps for Penn state in that game, 33 for Iowa. This is, is crazy to me. I, I I just realized this stat. Iowa runs 77 plays on offense. Rutgers runs only 41 plays on offense. Hawkeyes hold the ball for 38-22. So, yeah, I mean, the defense gets a ton of credit for that, but so does the offense because it wasn't coming off the field. 
this is uh, Iowa punts only three times. Rutgers punts nine times. I mean, this was uh, uh, not a not a big game for Torrey Taylor, but he was great on his three punts. <laughs> I mean, uh, flipped the field, uh, you know, when he needed to. So, uh, really, just a complete a complete performance all the way around. Uh, a lot of the guys credited the D line. Uh, you know, Kyle Manungai only 39 yards on 13 carries. This is the Big Ten's leading rusher. Uh, that was a concern coming in. Uh, was stopping Rutgers run. And it seemed like they were moving right away. And I want to give a, a huge hat tip to the fans here because they had third and two and I was 37. This is after Drew Stevens missed field goal. You're thinking, oh boy, here we go. Rutgers looks like they're legit. Two straight false starts, two of the six. Uh, I'm going to say forced by Kinnick Stadium. I mean, I'm going to say give them a lot of credit for those. And also want to give them credit for a bad snap that the quarterback didn't see coming that ended up being a minus, I don't know, 17 or something like that. So uh, all that added up to a great defensive performance, the crowd, the lack of plays, and obviously the defense being the defense. It was, yeah, it was great energy. I feel like, but in general, just from the crowd and um, I don't want to like hand out too many, you know, un un necessary praises or over praises or whatever but i think it's just worth mentioning like brian ference obviously and you know not coming back as offensive coordinator next season we haven't like talked to him you know he hasn't spoken with the media or anything but for him to like i guess just continue to stick with it and and try to help this specific team as much as he can knowing that he's not going to be back next season uh, you know, I think he deserves some credit for that. And again, Iowa's offense has mostly not been good. This was one performance, but it is a difficult situation for him to, you know, for him to be in and um, to see, like, to, to to be able to see that Iowa's offense is, you know, is making progress in, in the yeah. small way that it is. You know, I think it's notable of just to at least acknowledge the fact that, you know, if you're going to criticize him for the downfalls of the offense, then he should get some praise when, you know, they are, when they do have a good performance. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. It was, it was a well, well-called game, good game plan. It's, it's clear. He had an idea of, you know, where the weak spots could be. Iowa runs for nine yards and 24 yards on the first two plays of the game. Kind of got that running game established. Then they threw the, threw the ball, Quite a bit, more than I expected him to. I mean, to, to throw it 31 times, that's going to help going forward too. You know, teams now, hey, maybe we can't completely sell out on the run. Now they could, Minnesota could, and they did, and it worked. But that's this is going to help Deacon. It's going to help Caleb Brown. It's going to help you know Addison Estrenga now that he's entrenched as the tight end. You know, Nico, even a six-year senior, getting some confidence there, and uh, and certainly all three running backs contributed. It was good to see Caleb Johnson. Uh, get a little taste of success there in the second half and and show some big runs and um, yeah just a lot of, a lot of good stuff I don't think there's anything wrong with handing out praise today um, like to hit some three word headlines but uh, any other thoughts on this Big Ten West race I mean it, it's such a treat for this team to get to come home next week uh, to potentially you know outright clinch the division clinch a trip to Indy they can do that right here next Saturday, 2.30, 
you know, the second half again will be under the lights, which I think is a huge advantage here at Kinnick. Yeah, I mean, just listening to kind of, because obviously this is my first year on the beat, but listening to the the context behind, I guess, Kirk Ferentz's ability to kind of rally the troops and have guys respond to adversity, I feel like that's been, you know, just another really overarching theme this season is that, there's been so many things, whether it be the sports wagering investigation that, you know, Noah Shannon's still ineligible and, and Kirk Ferentz feels, un, you know, unfairly ineligible um, to the Brian Ferentz news, to the injuries, to the Cooper to Gene, uh, you know, punt return touchdown that was reversed. There, there were just a lot of, to the Penn State game even, where I was basically embarrassed. Like there just were a lot of chances for Iowa to, to quit, to pack it in, to call it a season in an underwhelming uh, Big Ten West and basically just kind of fit in with everyone else. Uh, instead, you know, I think the resilience in the way that Kirk Ferentz has been able to get guys to continue to buy in, even through tough times, is, is you know, uh, impressive. Sorry, I was on mute. Let's run through some of these three-word headlines. Uh, let me say that again. Um, let's start with Gabe Johnson, our, one of our favorites. Uh, offered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. Nice job, Gabe. Offered ten headlines. A um, couple of them here. Uh, stock up Indy and shrimp cocktail, please. A couple uh, downtown Indianapolis <laughs> references. Uh, Yep. Yeah. Good call, man. Yeah. 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 You know, you're uh, Indianapolis. I know, I know the landscape. Man. That's right, man. Um, so I guess on the stock up indie thing, uh, I think we got another one there of a similar to that of, of a, a fridge opening with a bunch of bush light uh, gif. Um, you know, I think the fan energy is kind of, there's just an air that was different today. And I think just the, the re resolution of the Brian Ferentz thing, I think really, allows everyone fan wise to enjoy this more those that didn't want him back because i think i think there would be a lot of pockets coming out of this game tyler would be like oh boy now they're going to bring brian back mm -hmm. you know but there's not that it was just full-fledged enjoyment um at least what i sensed from and i'm seeing that in the headlines too like it's people really enjoyed this win and i feel like as much as kirk ferentz is hates it and you know they're fighting this a little bit uh i do feel like it does kind of it just lets everyone know what's going on and just just play and i am impressed with brian ferentz's continued professionalism uh to handle this too and it's it, it almost felt like a weight you know mm -hmm. a weight off the shoulders maybe you know from the fan base but being able to reflect on it now for you know a little bit more time since the initial news hit I feel like after that, the initial aftermath of it, where it was kind of just chaos, I guess, mm. I feel like now it's, it feels like things have settled in. Like now, after that initial shock and, you know, all the, you know, talk about it and stuff, now it feels like that, you know, it's things have settled in and maybe, you know, that was a good decision to be able to kind of alleviate some of that stress. I think that's where the decision and timing of it was tough of like, you know, that, that's throwing sort of another challenge into the season. But once you get past that initial week and initial news conference, 
then you might be able to kind of move past it and it's going to relieve some of that pressure. So that was kind of the, I think the balance of it, but now it feels like the fact that I was been able to kind of overcome it and move past it, you know, it feels like some of that pressure has been lifted. I think so. I don't know if Kirk Ferentz would ever admit that or any of the coaches would admit it, but I think, I think there is a little bit of freedom uh, to, to even know, to knowing what's going to happen, even if it's bad, you know, from your own standpoint or whatever, sometimes it's just better to know. And then you live your life, you know, uh, accordingly. So uh, I could probably take that however, whatever level you want. Uh, Michael, Michael O 2016 says pretty damn fun. Kind of along that theme. Uh, Dirk Heiler at Flybum62 says, Hawks getting better? Question mark. Yeah, you know, Kirk Ferentz talked a lot afterwards about uh, the necessary, how he believes you can improve every week, even week nine, week 10. He believes in improvements can be made. And, uh, you know, don't doubt don't the guy. He he just tied Bo Schembechler today for number three all-time big conference, big 10 conference in wins with 194 uh, here at Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. They just, they just shut off the lights here at Kinnick. So yeah. Yeah. Is that a hint? Um, oh, no. yeah. Brad Gust says, was that Iowa? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently uh, Mason Richmond was kind of surprised too in the second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He had some funny quotes. Yeah. Uh, John Rittenberg, complimentary football works. Really, uh, very true, John. Um, we saw we saw it kind of flip, uh, especially when the offense can move the ball a little bit. Then your punting and defense really takes over. And and Richmond had a good quote. I might put it in my follow column, but about how um, you know, no, I think I put it in my thoughts column. Just how it seemed like Cooper was catching every punt around the fifty yard line in the second half. You could just like feel to post game talking to the guys on the offense like. Just the optimism, you know, more like to be like to be able to have some a game like that, because to his credit, Deacon Hill has stood up there and answered question after question of why he has been so bad and why the offense has been so bad. And like, you know, we kind of have to ask that because that's that's what's happening on the field. Like you can't really sugarcoat it if you're not barely even throwing for 100 yards in a game. Um but but you could feel like with Nico, with Caleb Brown, with Deacon, like they, there just was there was it was a different tone, you know, a little bit of optimism, being able to answer questions like in a positive manner, you know, you could you could just kind of feel it after the game. Uh, Hawkarella uh, did a two word headline, but I like the headline. She goes fires remorse, <laughs> uh, and then she puts just kidding in parentheses. So. <laughs> Um, that was pretty good. Uh, Kirk Burner, here's Kirk Ferentz's burner, which got uh, has 39 likes so far. Says we're so back. <laughs> I kind of, uh, I kind of wish like, I wonder what Kirk would be like on social media. <laughs> like, I sometimes think about that. Like the coaches that are like so like lasered in. Like, I just to see some of the memes. Like, I would just would love to see their uh, like reactions to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see if I can find any more many more good ones here. Um, uh, Stephanie Stitcock says, "Night, night, Scarlets." I like that one quite a bit. Um, Squ uh, Squirmant says, "It is Kirk 
Kirk Vember. Kirk Vember. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. It is Kirk Vember. Terrence Vember. Yeah, we need we need something else there. Something. Sound yeah, it doesn't sound right, but still, get the sentiment. Um, it's like with a, Tom Izzo, you like you have like Tom Izzo March, like yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. Anyways, I'm in <laughs> basketball. I'm transitioning to basketball mode with uh, basketball season starting. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's just leave it at that. Uh, here, how about this? Let's finish with this. Jared McNeil says, Deacon Hill game. I mean, definitely, I've been hard on Deacon Hill. Um, most people have. Um, but, yeah, he did, he's a nice, he's the nicest guy in the world. Uh, and I was really happy for him. He seemed genuinely really happy today after the game and um, says he doesn't look at the social media, all that stuff. Credited Spencer Petrus. Uh, for, for, I thought that was a notable comment for kind of guiding him, you know, to handle criticism because um, he knows it's out there. You have to know it's out there. So uh, kudos to Deacon Hill. Uh, like you said, doesn't mean he's, you know, a rock star quarterback, but really good games today and it deserves a lot of credit. It's something, I mean, it's something to build off of. And that's really not any, not something Iowa's offense has had, uh, you know, Maybe if, if you look at what they did against Western Michigan, but that was so long ago. But this is something that you feel like one builds confidence, but is also like a foundation of can you continue to build off of it? And hey, here's some film of some things you did really good. And, you know, you can look at that and, and continue to try to, I, I think Nico, you know, was talking about just like stacking it, like continuing to build off of it. And it, it is later in the season, but it's, Better, better late than never for the offense. So. Illinois, next week's opponent, Tyler, against your Hoosiers, gained – I'm going to get it accurate here – 662 yards with 507 yards through the air. That, that was a low blow for bringing that up. I mean, well, that's how <laughs> I was next opponent. Yeah, so no, I, I know. You know. No, I uh, – but, but Indiana, hey, but Indiana, Indiana them, so yeah, Indiana had 29 first downs and lost. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, I, I feel after this performance against Rutgers, I feel confident that Iowa, especially at home, like the, I feel like the crowd is just going to be like juiced up for that game, knowing that they can clinch the West. To be able to do that in you know in Kinnick, uh, Illinois, they've been kind of like rocky, haven't they? I think like been up and down in terms of. Yeah, they're they're on a surge though. I mean, they beat Minnesota okay. last week, beat Indiana. I mean, but their quarterback is a backup too. That played today. Yeah, yeah, he threw for five hundred some yards. But, so. Also, I was watching some of the game and like Indiana's defensive backs, or on one play, the Indiana defensive back just like decided not to cover the wide receiver, <laughs> and he literally just ran right by him. So like, yeah, some Indiana's defense was bad. So I'll just say. If, that's part of why they scored so much and whatever. Yeah, understood, understood. Um, well, thanks, Tyler. Good job. Let's uh, let's get this podcast out uh, on audio as well. But good job today. Um, I'm going to go write my column and then head uh, head out. Um, thank you, thank you, Hawk fans, for tuning in. I'm glad you guys could enjoy uh, a really fun game today. And uh, I guess we'll say goodbye for Tyler Tashman, Chad Lays to go of the Des Moines Register, saying so long from Kinnick Stadium.